0: Hello, my fine friends, and welcome to Casual Cognition. We have a great episode for you today. I am particularly excited for this episode because we are going to be talking about one of our favorite people in the world, Alan Watts, along with a lot of other fun things. We finish up our talk about hermetic principles from a few episodes back, and... Hank teaches me the meaning of the term epiphenomenalism. So stick around. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. There we go. Here we are. Here we are again. No one else. Just you and me.
1: Nobody listens. It's listened. you Just and kidding. I. Curiously, (laughs) conversating about things.
0: This is our show tune special,
1: guys.
0: (laughs) Wow. Next, we're going to do the Andy Griffith show, and we're just going to go through history from there. All of history's most popular, boring shows that they've put on the boob tube. You know? Sing them all.
1: I got to say. I have no idea where that came from. That's okay. It's just. It's okay. We're just keeping it casual.
0: Completely out of the blue. I apologize
1: to our listeners. And you should too. (laughs) Well, by way of apology, I will put an axe to this nonsense and get us going on what really matters. What does really matter? Well, that would depend on your individual and personal value structure. What matters Um, to you? No, just keep going. What matters to me (laughs) is that you shut up and let me talk. (laughs) Well, that doesn't matter to me. no that's obviously the nature of this conversation is that it's a little bit of a give and take and i actually appreciate that a lot i mean this project this community matters people are going to tune
0: us out unless we get to the subject
1: (laughs) well they're gonna have to wait another five to ten
0: seconds are you doing last minute homework? You better not be. You
1: told me you were prepared. No, no I'm not. I'm just, I'm just putting the carrot on the stick. We for... traumatized our listeners with last last week's recording. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually funny you say that because a lot of people have told me that uh, they really enjoy this podcast because it helps them to relax. Ah. And I feel sorry for what happened last episode because (laughs) i think we got into some less than relaxing uh thought spaces it's what happens when we
0: drop the structure but it just has (laughs) to be done from time to time
1: yeah speaking of structure uh almost like or what let's see Almost like ten episodes ago we did an episode uh fra on f- I guess yeah, was this was number episode. seven fractals universal principles and then we finished it off with the library but we kind of realized that we only went through like I'm not a hundred percent sure but we went it was through two or three. like yeah like I think it was yeah between two and four of the hermetic principles so we thought that we We were ran out of time yeah we ran out of time like we were we try to keep these to one and a half hours max because we know that people's attention spans are pretty short including our own i mean it's not like we're i'm not sitting on my my high chair here looking down on everyone speak for yourself buddy (laughs) Uh, but the the thing is, is, yeah, we kind of only got through the first few, so what we're going to do today, at least to start, is we're going to kind of briefly go over the first couple ones that we talked about, and then dive into the later hermetic principles. So these are um, some kind of, exa- this is like an example of a system of universal principles. So like this is kind of it's supposed to be like an all-encompassing like these are the universal principles um that the the cosmos kind of um is built off of or from and it's actually really interesting because i didn't uh i didn't think about this before but it, it kind of interacts with our second Um, our second topic which is about epiphenomenalism but we'll get into that later so just to start the hermetic principles we'll just quickly go over these first few like uh, the first one is the principle of mentalism and this was the one that I thought coincides interestingly or even clashes a little bit with the concept of epiphenomenalism but this is like So the quote here from from the Emerald Tablet, I believe it's called. Mm -hmm. All is mind. The universe is mental. Uh, And we talked about like, I I believe, yeah, we we brought up how it's really interesting how there's like this striking similarity when you look at uh, a neuronal map of a brain and if you zoom out into the macro and look at the the observable universe it's like almost the exact same picture so that was mind blowing we talked about that in that episode so we're not going to go more into it the second one is the principle of correspondence so this is the one that most people have heard as as above so below but it's also it's longer, even though it doesn't really, <laughs> like you get the idea with as above, so below. That's what. That's, <laughs> that's the quote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't, know, but... I don't
0: know what it was about people from like 1200 AD to maybe the, maybe the 1900s, but they were just really, really wordy.
1: I mean, this was like 2,000 just...
0: years ago. I think everybody was just excited. Oh, I mean, Isaac Newton did the translation though. Oh, I see what you mean. Like, like, and if you read the Isaac Newton translation, maybe I'm wrong. Obviously, I didn't try to do my own translation of the Emerald Tablet, but it just seems really overly wordy in some spots. But that was just the way that people wrote back then. I think I, I think people were just excited because, like, up
1: until that point, like six or seven people were literate. Oh yeah, you got to show off that you can read. Yeah. When most people can't read. Look at my words, bitch. You gotta make it as difficult as possible for anybody who doesn't know how to read to join the club. Think about think about how badass you were if you could write script. Ugh, all the rubes would be jealous. Sorry, go on. <laughs> okay. So that one. This is actually interesting because. So as above, so below, as below, so above. As within, so without. As without, so within so an example that we've talked about on this podcast uh when we talked about the microbiome we brought up this example of how how the microbiome like the environment inside of our gut mirrors that of our external environment as within so without and which is in turn uh a mac- a microcosm of the overall global environment um and then i mean you could take that and you could expound that in on many different scales i mean this this goes to the it's related to fractals uh obviously that's that's when we brought these up so yeah human cities spread very similar to mycelium yeah exactly that's a that's a another example and then let's see yeah i guess we'll just keep keep trucking until we get to the new ones um the principle of vibration nothing rests everything moves and everything vibrates and whenever i I, got into that one i think this one is new okay maybe um so whenever i hear whenever i hear this i think about the concept of equilibrium so if you remember in like high school biology class uh you learn about this idea of equilibrium so all, all organisms are striving for the state of equilibrium which as we define it it's like all uh all of the different subsystems of the organism are in line so that it's balanced it's like perfectly balanced so you have this if equilibrium is this line where it's like this is the perfect state you don't for have an organism like, energetic variations Exactly. And like the further away you get from equilibrium, the more likely that you're going to die. Like if you get far enough away, you can create these like swings that just you end up dying. And uh but also what's interesting about that is cuz our concept like you know is like oh, it's this perfect balance point where everything is is right, is like it's just perfect. And but the the thing is is like true equilibrium doesn't exist like true equilibrium. If, if everything stopped moving, then we would just die. Like there has to be that back and forth and those mild stressors that like push, uh, push the envelope like to one direction or another. Um, so that kind of like, ideal of like a oh, perfect equilibrium it's actually like like that's death
0: it's an ideal it's um, yeah it's something to m- like measure yourself against and work towards in certain ways but it's not something to be attained yeah um, and in taking it to a more scientific space i think that another parallel would be um, <clears throat> the concept of absolute zero in temperature mm. yeah because as far as we know we can't do that um can't get something to absolute zero um and supposedly i remember reading this sort of like science fictiony article that in theory if we could potentially create an absolute zero space we could create a lightsaber because if you create absolute zero then you can freeze light in place now, you know, the mm. the cutting aspect becomes a little weird, but the, the thought is is that if you can create an absolute zero space, you can keep light still, because it, at an absolute zero temperature, there's no movement, there's no yeah. vibration. And so far, we we don't know any way that we can get anything to absolute zero.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, at least in my understanding, the only way, and of course... My understanding is extremely limited on this subject. As is mine. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like it's like the only way you get absolute zero is just if you have no, no matter, like no particulate matter at all, just complete absence of anything.
0: I think that that doesn't count because there has to be, like temperature is a measure of energy within a, like... N- you know nu- nuclear atomic structure so the thought is yeah. like you're measuring a certain thing so if you have no n- nothing to measure then there's no temperature rather than absolute zero cuz if you think mm. about if you think about
1: you I'm know I'm not so sure about that one
0: Jimmy well, look oh, it I'll up hear you out. <laughs> So, you know, the, the the temperature you feel in the air, it's not some, like, actual separate thing. There's no hot and cold. You're feeling the energetic temperature of the molecules that make up our air atmosphere. So the reason why you go out and freeze in space isn't because there's a bunch of cold shit out there. It's because there's no heat. There's no energy. So... You know, if you have an empty set of space, which is not even getting into the whole like matter, antimatter, um, static sort of thing that happens in empty space where it just sort of pops in and out of reality. Um, But if you if you don't have any any matter, any substance to measure, I don't think there is a temperature. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. We'd have to ask a scientist or somebody who actually knows what the fuck they're talking about, at least. But let's move on
1: with the rest of the uh, hermetic principles. (laughs) Okay. The fourth hermetic principle. The principle of polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has poles, and everything has a pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same opposites are identical in nature but different in degree extremes meet all truths are but half truths all paradoxes may be reconciled Mm.
0: now that's one that I think would probably be the um, the most core aspect of our friend's message that we're going to introduce you to later, mm. the uh, the polarity concept, and I think that's a huge, huge thing. That like of all the hermetic hermetic principles, this is one of the ones that you can most like apply to your understanding of the world. You know, the as above, it's... so below stuff can get a little mind boggling to think about, and you know, vibration. It's like, yeah, everything's moving, but what do I do with that information? the polarity thing you can really like actually
1: act and change your perspective on the world based on that understanding yeah 100 percent. and i mean we've talked about the the yin yang symbol a bunch already but like that's to me is like the perfect example of the principle of polarity like so you have the light and the darkness but like They don't exist without each other. Like you don't have darkness without light. Mm -hmm. You don't have good without evil. And you can't have good without evil. You can't. (laughs) It reminds me of um, Alan Alan Watts. (laughs) Something that he talked about. (laughs) Just random, random guy that I listen to sometimes. Talked about this concept of like they are like like there's particle people and there's wave people. <laughs> yeah, I uh, love that. And like the the particle people are into the prickles and the wave people are into the goo. But what they As don't realize like, like what
0: people believe is the base substance of matter,
1: either particles exactly. or waves. Exactly. So some people believe that like the base, like the fundamental idea is prickles and then the other people believe that it's goo they don't realize that <laughs> it's all just a bunch of <laughs> <laughs> gooey prickles and, and, prickly, prickles goo. and prickly goo <laughs> <laughs> great great line dude <laughs> and it's so true and like and like you wouldn't know and also he says you wouldn't know what prickles are unless you knew what goo was yeah
0: you wouldn't you so don't it's know like know yourself without measuring yourself in comparison to other things
1: and other people exactly like you can think about it from a political perspective it's the same you have left and right red and blue that whole thing like it's the same the same concept like they as much as you know if you're (laughs) I, i i guess i have no idea what affiliation most of our listeners are but generally both sides like to shit on the other and if we just take a moment to realize that we actually don't exist without that the other side that we like to poop on so much uh i don't know that would be i think we would be living in a very different state of affairs if people were cognizant of that truth
0: i agree I very much agree. All right. Now that's number five.
1: That was number four. Okay. So we can go into number five. Let's hear it The Principle of Rhythm. Everything flows Uh-oh. out and in. Getting jazzy. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. I like this one a lot too super good so so important for i mean the first thing that i obviously the the first thing i think about is music because that's just like too close of a connection but Mm -hmm. also like being aware of like the rhythms on multiple different levels you know because you have we all have our own rhythms and first of all like we know that the more we relate those rhythms to the physical rhythms of our environment like the circadian Mm -hmm. cycle uh this like the sun and moon like if we if we follow that it's it's good like it's it's good for our health in general uh and then also the
0: natural cycles you know
1: yeah exactly and and we have these natural cycles within our lives as well like you have it's the wave and the trough right so like sometimes you're super inspired and energetic and excited about something and you're like holy shit this is fucking epic and then you naturally will like go down into a trough and then it's like oh fuck life is hard and sad and fucked up things happen to good people and like I don't know you just kind of go at least for me I naturally go through these cycles of like being really productive and excited and getting shit done and then like kind of falling into a bit of a pit and like just kind of and like the thing is is like those they don't exist without each other in in some way Mm -hmm. and like the thing that's bad is to judge either of them
0: is forever. Yeah. I think think either of them is forever
1: and to like judge them as, or judge oneself based on what state we are in at that time. You know what I mean? Because that, then you can get into these weird like feedback loops that end up breaking the natural rhythm.
0: Yeah. We don't exist in a freeze frame in time one thing i hate to see is like people who are looking back and being like i was doing so good back then a year ago i was working out great i was in great shape and you can just see this like pride in in themselves for doing well and shame for not doing well anymore yeah it's like that's still you you didn't lose that part of yourself that that did that discipline. You can still do it again. You're just in a little yeah. rut right now. It's not a, you know, that doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. Um. Another thing that I like to think about when it comes to these cycles and rhythms. I know that this is the case in mysticism. I'm. I believe it's the, also the case in hermeticism. Um. The thought is that time in the universe itself is also cyclical.
1: So Oh yeah. It like And that's even there's even some some scientific Yeah. hypotheses about that like the the big bounce. Yeah, the expansion for example. and contraction of the universe. Yeah. Yeah. So that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me if that was the case.
0: The other the other way that you could see it is like you know, big bang, slow, long heat death. Big bang, slow, long, heat death. You know, for some reason that just keeps on going and going.
1: Yeah, well, at a certain point, like, yeah, basically the negative pressure of the cosmic forces causes the universe to collapse in on itself and then create another big bang at some point. Yeah, like at the heat death, basically.
0: Yeah. Which is um, a
1: long, long time. Holy cow. There's a... there's a wow i don't think i've ever i've never said holy cow instead of holy shit but uh holy guacamole (laughs) it is a long bunch of years there's a really cool video on youtube that it's like a simulation That shows the time the time lapse of the heat death of the universe and like the different phases and how long they last is totally mind blowing
0: yeah I think I remember seeing that too I don't remember what it was called so you guys are gonna have to do that on your own I apologize yeah you're
1: gonna have to be resourceful on this one Uh, autodidactic self guided learning go figure it out
0: asshole um (laughs) sorry go on what's the next one we got
1: Hmm. this one is a little more in line with the epiphenomenal viewpoint which we'll get into more later but this is the principle of cause and effect Ah. every cause has its effect and every effect its cause So that's kind of, I mean, that's basically... I think most of us are pretty aware of that way of thinking. It's like a very... um, I don't know. In some sense, you could think of it as as like a Newtonian kind of idea. Maybe that's where he stole it from. Possibly. That's
0: actually a good point. Maybe he got that... Uh, I mean, I know that he was inspired by Hermeticism.
1: Yeah, because, um, you know, he he came up with that, that idea of the universe where it's like there's all these billiard balls yeah, flying billiard around ball <laughs> and like they hit into each other and they deflect in different ways. And like we can understand the universe based on that model. Yeah. And it's kind of wrong. Like <laughs> it get, you can get a good idea. It it's kind of wrong. Yeah, I mean, you you can get a good idea of a lot of different phenomena like with that type of thinking, but what it kind of lacks and and this is kind of going into another thing, right? Like because the cause and effect idea, like you can think about that in a lot of different ways, but the in terms of like the Newtonian universe, like it kind of it kind of lacks the like how interconnected everything is like
0: Uh, that one effect might have 800,000 causes
1: yeah and and like you know even just the, the simple fact that like even if it was just billiard balls flying around and hitting into each other like just the presence of the other billiard balls will slightly affect you know they all have their gravitational yeah pole so it's going to affect even if you're just looking at two of them like if there's billions of other billiard balls at varying distances and orbits like it changes that problem and uh, and it doesn't uh it's not gonna like be a way different answer from the one if you're just looking at those two but like you do have the like the cause is not it's generally not just like the one thing like there's so many factors uh that that go into even something as simple as two billiard balls hitting into each other uh in a populated universe
0: i wonder if there's somebody who's good with vr somewhere who's made a billiard ball universe you can hang out in or you just grab one and throw it at another one and there's just infinite billiard balls that it can bang into.
1: Probably not infinite. I don't think we have the the computing power for Functionally, that.
0: Functionally. Uh, what, what, what's what's the Minecraft thing? Um, progressive or something like that? Progressive rendering?
1: Mm, I see what you mean. But um, anyways. <laughs>
0: I, whenever I think of the cause and effect thing, I usually think of karma. Mm because it's easy to think of cause and effect on a on a physical level but i i really do believe in like like a sort of universal cause and effect for actions and intentions too which is getting pretty woo y and i won't dive too deep into it but like i think that there is genuine cause and effect for um for our actions that goes beyond just the the physical manifestations of those actions, hmm. and I, that's that's not so much of a popular view these days. Or people like to water it down, like, oh yeah, well, I believe in 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 the that, and like, I don't know, they they try to simplify it as like, <laughs> of course you're going to, whoops, of course you're going to have a cause and effect. If you know, if you steal from somebody they're going to be upset and they're going to not like you but like like they cut it off at the the point where i take it to of like you steal from somebody and then completely get away with it something bad will still happen to you because of that action
1: Mm. yeah i mean i think there's definitely something to be said about the like the psychological and then this is just a, another layer of it. Like you yeah. can think about it in a lot of different ways, but there's definitely a psychological impact when we do bad shit that we know is bad. Like yeah. it's not good for us and we, we pay for it even if it's not by going to jail or by getting the shit beaten out of us. Like there's, there's a tax on, on those kinds of actions. So I, I definitely Cram doesn't pay kids. Exactly. Stay in school. <laughs> Crime doesn't pay, kids. But don't listen to your fucking teachers. They're all <laughs> bullshit artists. <laughs> hey, we had a handful of good ones. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I, yeah, I. We were very I blessed really,
0: to have some teachers yeah, that and didn't I, have to be there for income. That was, I think, that was the biggest thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, dude, don't get me wrong. I really respect teachers. Um, uh, they're for the most part they're all doing their best, but it's like you have good people in a shit system. Yeah, that's that's and it's like it doesn't, it's not gonna translate very well. Sometimes you get lucky. We got pretty lucky, as you as you mentioned. I would say maybe like at least well, growing up, like one in five maybe were like really awesome, really yeah. good teachers. And then beyond that, maybe like one in ten or something like that. But
0: well, clearly, my teachers weren't that good because I never learned the word epiphenomenalism until about a <laughs> month or so ago when you told <laughs> it to me. And it it seems to be the prevailing system of thought that we have to explain the what is called the mind body problem, which is the yes. sort of um, question of is our mind, our thought space a part of our body or does it exist out, like outside or separate from
1: our physical body? Right. And just real quick before we move on to that, we have one more because oh, we're gonna fucking finish these goddamn things so we I don't forgot. have to do a third. I forgot have we to have to one more. with it. We got one more. That's the principle of gender. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. So this is something, just real quick, because this is a point of confusion and contention for a lot of people. They don't mean penises and vaginas. Exactly. This is not about biological sex. This is about masculinity and femininity.
0: If you want more info on this particular subject, we did a show on it.
1: Yes, and, like, so just to be clear, like, and this, again, this is why I think the yin yang is such a cool, um, symbol because it also takes this, I mean, it takes quite a few of these into account actually in one like symbol, but, uh, like the yin and yang, it's also the feminine and the masculine. And like, so this is something that we talked about, like regardless if you're male or female like we all have the masculine and feminine principles within us we all have the potential for both elements the creative and the receptive the hot and the cold the i mean the list the list goes on and on i'm not going to go go into it right now but i think I mean, those are, it's like, those are the, the fundamental forces of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. The create creation and destruction. Like that's, that's what we have. And then every, everything that we see is like some kind of manifestation of those forces. There you go
0: seven hermetic principles in 30 minutes
1: not bad not bad and i mean these you can i think the main the main the main thing with this is just it's really interesting to see how these ideas play out across a multitude of of um ideas concepts practices just how they play out in life and how and where we can see the because they pop up everywhere yeah and it helps us to see like oh this thing that i learned from music shows up in jujitsu and Mm -hmm. this thing that i learned from woodworking shows up in dancing and like all you know you can just see like these uh, and also how that how that relates to just the universe itself and existence. Yeah. So I think it's really fascinating just to kind of become aware of these ideas, and then, uh, yeah, I think it it kind of upgrades our pattern recognition software a little bit. There you go.
0: I like him. I I find hermeticism to be, um, a tad bit lacking in practice from what I've experienced about it. Yeah. Um, which is why I, I tend to lean towards the the mystic traditions. Um, but I've, I would consider them to basically be siblings, you know, sibling schools of thought. Yeah. Um, hermeticism, I think, is a tad more akin to like um what is it? Theravadan Buddhism or the the sort of like more austere um, versions of Buddhism that that kind of try to drop off any of the mythological stuff or, or weird things or just like, yeah, forget all about that and meditate. Um and and it's it's extremely useful and effective depending on what you're doing. It's just not, like, it's not the, the like, school of thought I consider myself to be a part of. Not because I disagree with the points. It's more just, I need a little bit more, I need a little bit more hair to grab onto. You
1: know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is, like, it can be really useful to understand these ideas through one through stories through myth and then also yeah if you have like a practical like a practice to internalize because it's one thing to talk about these and then just like understand them on an intellectual basis and it's a completely another thing to like integrate this understanding on a deeper level on an intuitive level yeah Uh, And that's not something that you can do by just, like, reading about them and talking about them, you know? Yeah. Uh, Unless, maybe over a long period of time, but I don't know. Because it gets to the point, if you're just talking about it, it doesn't really... Like, you have to do that for, like, hundreds of hours for it to, like, make its way into your subconscious. But there's more efficient ways to go about that, like, with different meditation practices and, um, yeah, kind of getting, accessing the subconscious, like, more um, consciously and intentionally. Yeah. Yeah, Isaac Newton, I think, was, um, obviously he
0: was a genius, but he was a little out of balance, you know. He um, was notoriously antisocial, Apparently, apparently he never actually had sex. That was one strange thing about him. He died a virgin, apparently, intentionally. Didn't want to have sex. Strange, strange man, Isaac Newton.
1: Man, he was missing
0: out, dude. (laughs) Can you imagine getting hit on the head with a fruit and coming up with a brand new mathematical model for the universe? Just what a weird way uh, uh, for a brain to work.
1: Really strange, man. All um, right, well, let's get into our next yeah, subject. Indeed,
0: epiphenomenalism. And you, uh, you introduced me to this word a little while back. And it, it's funny because whenever you're talking about the first uh, principle of mentalism, you said it may may clash a little bit. I think it's directly contrary to this. Yeah, mentalism is. Yeah. So the mentalism principle says everything is mind, you know, the mind is is the whole universe and uh, the physical matter is just an illusion. Similar to the the Hindu concept of maya um or Buddhist concept of maya. Um epiphenomenalism basically says the exact opposite that mind is a Simply purely physical process that exists only within our bodies and nervous systems and brains, and there's no existence of any kind of soul or consciousness outside of the gestalt of our bodies or another, you know, living being's body. Basically, that mind is a product um, of, of, of a physical process in the universe that doesn't have any intention behind it itself
1: yeah it's basically the effect of a bunch of biochemical reactions happening yeah in the brain an emergent property of
0: human body stuff
1: yeah and that's it's an interesting idea because that's like you mentioned like that's how from a scientific standpoint like that's how we that's kind of the model right now but already like they're you know we're running into some roadblocks with that idea because there is no like there is no place that consciousness resides like we can kind of see like okay well if they're thinking about this thing or feeling this Way like these general areas of the brain are lighting up, but there's no like, oh yeah, this is where consciousness is formed. Like yeah, in there's the no amygdala. consciousness center of the
0: brain. <laughs> no, the closest thing we have is the, um, the prefrontal cortex, or the, I guess you would just say the frontal cortex. Um, the whole cortex thing that whole that whole thing the neocortex going on there. neocortex prefrontal whatever the cortex
1: i think the, the prefrontal cortex is like specifically the front part of the neocortex which is like the the third layer like we have the reptilian brain like the brain stem basically mm-hmm. and then there's the mammalian brain on top of that which is kind of in the middle mm-hmm. and then we have like the third layer which is the whole big like Pancake, big brain, no, not, like the meatloaf brain on top, and then the, the prefrontal loaf. cortex How is meatloaf like for you eating <laughs> <laughs> some
0: fucking weird looking meatloaf, bro. But um, uh, we can't like like the closest thing we have is is whatever that is, you know, the cortex part, because that is um what is involved with most of our like complex decision making and pattern recognition but yeah to say that that, to say that that is the generator of our consciousness you would have to say that every other living thing isn't conscious then which obviously exactly heard much of this program you know that that is not the view we hold yeah and i mean all living things are conscious basically
1: yeah and like Cause, cause, what the the neocortex gives us, among other things, is like the ability, like, cause when we talk about a lot of times when we talk about uh, consciousness, like people kind of conflate the idea of self consciousness with consciousness. So, like, the, yeah, one of the things like that separates of us, self, exactly. That's one of the things that separates us from other animals as far as we know is like we have the ability to be aware that we are aware whereas they are just aware like they're just conscious but we are aware that we are conscious yeah um and that according to us is very special yeah and we're very very special
0: this is this gets into something that has always, um, always stuck out to me in the, the philosophical world. Um, for a long time, most of the developed scientific white world over there in Europe, uh, they, they pretty much thought that they were the only ones who had consciousness. Descartes specifically right. said that... Animals were automatons essentially, and they couldn't feel emotions or pain. Right, and there's there's basically no moral significance to harming an animal.
1: Right, and that was also, I mean, they used that against human against. beings also. Well, they just
0: said that, oh yeah, this we're the only human beings. Those yeah. other things are animals, so they must just be automatons. Yeah, and as um. As our friend Alan Watts, and by the way, you'll see why we keep on mentioning him. As our friend Alan Watts said one time, if you want to oppress somebody, the first thing you always do is dehumanize them. Turn them in. Yeah. You're not really a human being. Because yeah. we, can't, we can't conscience harming other human beings because we know that they're conscious. We know that we're conscious. So if you turn them into something less than human then it gives you all the moral leeway that a lot of people need to harm them and to dominate them and oppress them and and exploit them. Yeah. And so when when we're talking about um, consciousness, I think one of the first places to start, as far as I'm concerned, is what do you believe... Contains consciousness? Do you think it's just humans, or do you think it's other things too? Do you think it's some animals like dolphins or monkeys, but not something like a um, like an earthworm or a squirrel?
1: Um, and do do plants have it? And you dude, know, that's I'm, what I wanted to. That's what I wanted to bring up because, um, you know, we talked about like yeah, because now there's this growing awareness that like oh yeah, animals have feelings and they have rights and all of this kind of stuff that's going on and it's like yeah it's a lot easier to realize that because they scream and we can hear it but like plants scream too mhm and there's actually a really amazing book it's called the secret life of plants oh i've heard of that one i really want to read it and it ex- it explores plant consciousness basically and it's fascinating like after you read that it's not it's not so it's not so simple it's not so easy I mean they have they clearly not so cut and dry yeah they <laughs> <Fun> city <laughs> they clearly have intention and one could argue that they're definitely conscious as well and they don't even have brains so i don't know it starts to get pretty uh there's definitely some gray area that we just have no idea yeah i heard Um, this um i heard this
0: story of this guy talking to a south american shaman um I'm guessing he was an ayahuasca. Was era. it Don Juan? I don't think so. No, this guy was somebody who This is some somebody who was talking to a shaman. They were down like down there to do ayahuasca and shit and they were talking okay. to a shaman. And this this guy said the the monkeys think it's funny or no, sorry, the trees think it's funny that the monkeys know that they're people, but the humans don't and that line was really trippy to me i i thought about that for like a week it's yeah. really trippy
1: well yeah it's super interesting how in that in that tradition like the the whole the way that the shaman f- even finds the plants to make the ayahuasca is through communicating with the other plants like they're yeah. literally they they like their whole lineage, like it's around <laughs> learning how to communicate with plants and then having them show the way to to find these uh, different medicines.
0: Yeah, another great line from a different person who was also talking to an ILS girl down there. He was asking, pretty sure this was um, Aubrey Marcus who was saying this. Um, he was like, how did you find this? How did you figure out this stuff? And the shaman kind of, hemmed in hot a little bit and he goes, look, you Westerners don't like to hear this, but the plants told us. Yeah. Like it, it doesn't seem weird to us to say that it doesn't make sense for you when we say that, but for us, it makes complete sense. It doesn't make sense that you don't understand that. Yeah. So to them and their culture, they're surrounded by consciousness at all times every plant every animal they're not only conscious but they're in communion with with the entire world around them the entire living yeah. world and you know to me that is the 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 natural state of being for all living things and, yeah, and his you know, his line about the monkeys was was something big to me too because an implication there not only is there an implication of plant consciousness in there but there's also an implication of animals recognizing the consciousness of other beings
1: yeah and you know this thing it it comes again to pascal's wager right (laughs) like do i want to live in a world where consciousness is like or like where biochemical reactions are the things that cause consciousness and we're just like automatons basically that are just like oh, yeah, and then this reaction happens, and then I feel this, and then – or do I want to live in a world where we are all a manifestation of a universal consciousness that is in play with itself? Yeah. Which (laughs) kind of segues perfectly into the last (laughs) – the last topic that we have here, unless you have anything else that you want to uh, talk about for epiphenomenalism, um,
0: the last thing I'll say about it is that I think that people are so fat are so. Um, uh, I don't even want to say enthusiastic because that's not the right word, but they're they're just sort of like attached to the idea of epiphenomenalism is because in at least in my opinion it's a, it's a response to unreasonable religious practices. Mm. Because you know there's there's been a lot of religions that have exploited people obviously over the past you know 500 to 1000 years and before that but especially over the past, you know since the industrialization of the world and colonization of various you know southern hemisphere countries um it's a lot easier to just say, fuck all that. Nothing, none of that exists. We don't want any of that because it's caused so many issues. Mm. And then it, it's easy. It's an easy answer to everything. What's, uh, you know, it, it becomes your, as many people have said, which I think is a little bit reductive, but, you know, it kind of becomes your religion or your spirituality it becomes your answer to the unknown. Yeah. What's out there? Nothing. That's your answer. And you know that's a it's a comfortable answer because then nothing matters
1: yeah and it takes out the the inherent uncertainty of existence and to me like that is what makes this whole thing so goddamn interesting is that we have (laughs) no fucking idea what's going on like i know that Y'all listening in here, sometimes it might, when Nate and I get on a roll, it might sound like we think that we know what we're talking about, but (laughs) like, and sometimes we might feel that way. Like, I definitely feel that way sometimes, but then I I always come back to this moment of realizing like, oh, wait, I don't know shit. (laughs) Like, we and and it's that's how it's supposed to be like there's no way we could possibly understand the complexity of our existence it's just completely out of our grasp like we need to upgrade i mean i don't even know if there i mean the only brain that can fully grasp the complexity is the brain of the universe maybe (laughs) and even that like probably not
0: (laughs) well i have some great some great lines i'll bring up on all that in our last segment here so this is going to be um our first um casual biography um we are going to get into one of our favorite teachers um, sorry, hang on one sec <sighs> bad timing we're going to get into one of our favorite teachers Alan Watts in case you haven't guessed from us bringing him up like 18 times so Alan Watts was born in 1915 and died in 1973 so a lot of what he Talked about is a little dated.
1: Um, which is part of what I love about listening to him. Like, just the way the words that he <laughs> uses and the way that he talks is immediately endearing. It really is. And, uh, <laughs> he,
0: he introduced me to the phrase guile and skullduggery, which is fucking yeah. great. <laughs> and he used that to describe like mischief he got into as a teen. Yeah. I was just like, oh man, the, the guy just. Exudes class and poetry. Yeah. Um. But he was a big um influence for the the Beatnik movement, which was the the precursors to the hippies. And um, they're a little bit more, a little bit less colorful, we'll say. Yeah. But he was born into a a household that was involved with a local Buddhist lodge. So he was introduced very early in his life to Buddhism and mysticism in general. Um, And he was involved in that scene. And he decided to leave it because of disagreements he had on the way that uh, Zen Buddhism was practiced. And just based on what i've read and listened to from him i'm i would guess that he had some um some disagreement with like the strictness and austerity of zen buddhism because if y'all don't know
1: zen buddhism is like super intense like well yeah how it's it's weird because it's like how it ended up being practiced like as an organized religion it is super austere and like yeah, I mean that's where you see like you know the shaved the shaved monk who's like just sitting all day meditating, and if they like fall asleep, then the Zen master, the master will go and, and smack them smack with a the stick. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's it's actually really interesting because that it's funny because that is the purpose of the master, but in a metaphorical sense yeah and sometimes it works using a stick actually but it's like their job is to wake people up from being asleep metaphorically yeah. uh so it got a, li- a little bit there's some cross- crossed wires there uh in certain yeah. certain contexts and practices exactly so he left the
0: zen buddhist scene um i think in his like Late twenties, and he ended up becoming an, an ordained Anglican minister, like a Christian pastor, basically. And he had a he had a church. And um, I remember listening to an interview with his daughters where they talked about their their favorite part and his favorite part were these Gregorian chants that he would lead. He had these oh, like yeah. like big choruses where they would lead Gregorian chants essentially yeah. a western
1: version of mantra and um he did that which is i mean those are like hauntingly beautiful cool. i mean i love that's that's one of the things that's really really cool just as a quick aside here here in europe like um especially in scandinavia uh these kind of organized christian religions aren't really practiced as much mm-hmm. but the churches are maintained and now they're being used a lot uh, as like music venues mm. and the whole thing about churches is like the like acoustics sound. Are, are amazing you have these huge high vaulted ceilings and just like the the reverb in there it's just amazing and when you have specifically like the, the you know the timbre of those chants like it's this haunting choral like oh man i don't even know just it's look just up beautiful. Some gregorian it's just,
0: chants it's if you've never heard neither, yeah
1: cool. and and I, and i have to say that like listening to one of those on YouTube versus actually being yeah, in like the space is a completely completely different thing yeah, I, I bet
0: I've never actually heard live Gregorian chanting but that's something I would like to like to see and listen to Um, but anyways after a little while running his own church and um, trying to work within the Christian space he left that too because of disagreements he had over the um, practices of Christianity and obviously he was a pretty much a Buddhist still he didn't like convert to Christianity after Buddhism he just kind of tried to integrate it um, and later on in his life um, that that was more his, his shtick was that he wasn't really a part of any one religion he just kind of tried to integrate
1: them all yeah and that's just to quickly jump in here like that is the thing that really that i resonated with that i still resonate with a lot when i listen to him because that's the way that i approach spirituality as well like i i don't subscribe like i'm not subscribing to like one cosmology like it's 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 an amalgamation and it's also not just cosmology but practices and like the whole the holistic system my holistic system of spirituality is it's well it's obviously not complete but it's it's just taking these pieces from 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 everywhere i mean i haven't been exposed to all of the world's religions and it's mostly yeah so it, it mostly ends up being things Uh, from the east like i tend to uh resonate with those ideas a little bit more than like the judeo-christian uh religions uh, and and the other western religions uh and that's kind of like how he how he is as well like it's it's everything but he's he's kind of also leaning more towards the eastern philosophy you know when he talks about the Actually, actually maybe we could i know we talked this was like a you know uh bio, biographical segment but i but do you think we could uh introduce like his concepts of the different like models of the universe when you oh, have I didn't, the, I didn't
0: plan on just like yapping about his life that would be boring <laughs> and he wouldn't he would, that's not what he would want <laughs> <laughs> um no I just wanted to give a little background context to who he is or was. Right. And um the last thing I'll say biographically is that um after leaving the Anglican Church, he traveled, wrote a lot of books, did a ton of of speaking engagements all over the world and um ended up having his own monastery that was uh, a practiced a much less austere version of Buddhism and taught a, uh, a, a more gentle method of meditation and so uh, Hank and I stumbled on him uh, from just YouTube videos basically but since then mm-hmm. I've read his, some of his books and um, just listened to many 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 hours of his speeches and they're there's a ton of them out there. Um, I personally uh, really enjoy the the Out of Your Mind series by Sounds True. And, yeah. You know, it's it's probably like thirty bucks as the, the audio book, um, but it's like fifteen hours of of him talking. and It's, and it's so, so
1: good. It's so good. Like it's and it's so good on so many different levels. You know, like he. He talked about himself as a spiritual entertainer. Yeah. Uh a lot of people saw him as a guru. Yeah. Uh but he like yeah, he he described himself as a spiritual entertainer and and I thought that was for one it was really cool because he is he's trying to let people know that like hey, don't put me up on the pedestal. Yeah, he's like I have okay? nothing to tell like,
0: you. I just want you yeah, to enjoy. And, a perspective that i enjoy
1: yeah and and you know and that's another thing that i wanted to say about him like i just i cannot heap enough praise on him for like he he's one of my all-time favorite orators yeah. he's one of the best speakers that i have ever heard in my life like just the uh the words that he uses, the phrasing, the the meter, the emph- the emphasis, the coherence of everything like it's just so the good, history and so stories that he busts
0: out. Personally, yeah. Since, since I've listened to so much of him and read so much of him, um, I still I still like listen and re listen to stuff, but I don't I don't go there to like learn since I've already listen to most of the stuff that he teaches i go there like for that spiritual entertainment i go there to because yeah. when i listen to him even if it's something i've listened to five times already the the performance of it is just relaxing gives me a it's great so perspective like if i'm really out of whack one of my number one ways to calm myself down is putting on some alan watts and just listening to it for 20 yeah dude
1: minutes. he yeah i mean he is i i've i've used his work in that way as well like as a as a tuning fork yeah because we can easily like you know we as as we've talked about a little bit before like we we have the ability to choose what frequency we are vibing on and a lot of times we go into stress and nervousness and judgment and all of that kind of shit but like his vibe is just so like it it's so maybe maybe we should talk a little bit about his his kind of cosmology yeah. because it gives you an idea of like why it would put you in a completely different space because i mean so basically that the state of like stress and nervousness and judgment like that is kind of the that's like the egoic state right Mm -hmm. that's like there's this sense of separateness where it's like oh it's just little old me in this big harsh universe um and you know what how can how am i gonna make it um and you know the the way that his description his kind of cosmology comes more from i mean it's kind of like like you it's it's an amalgamation like we talked about, but there's a lot of stuff that comes from Hinduism and Buddhism. Uh, you know, like he he described it as, it's the the play, mm-hmm. right? Like we're we're in a drama. Yeah. If you want, let me let me and, jump in here and give you
0: his his little spiel here, um, because this relates back to the things that we were talking about before. He. Posits uh, two separate views that were sort of in competing at the time that he was speaking and are still and we kind of just described them um, the first is the ceramic view of the universe which is the the God poofed everything into existence ver-
1: version yeah that's God as the potter yeah, and, or the sculptor and, who creates actively creates the people and the yeah um. Yeah, you get yeah. the idea,
0: and and you know he's the he's the operator.
1: Yeah. he's yeah.
0: outside the universe. He created a mechanism, and then he operates it, or she, or it. Yeah. Um. Then the automatic view is that everything just yeah, runs on
1: its own. And that's like the that's, that's like the Newtonian that's the view, right? View. You have the you have all the billiard balls, and they're all starting in a certain position. And then you press play, and everything just goes. Press play and predictable yada, yada,
0: and then you're listening to casual cognition. Um, yeah. And Alan Watts's alternative to these two possibilities is the dramatic view, which is the thought that the world is essentially brought into being. By the universal consciousness, which you can call God or whatever, but not or you or no, I that's what or that's what we're getting to, and um, us, <laughs> yeah. One of one of Alan Watts's books is just called "You're It," with an exclamation point. <laughs> um, but the the thought is that the world comes into existence in order to experience the world coming into existence and existing. So the 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 meaning of the universe is simply that the universe is a very interesting and cool thing yeah and you as a human being or the tree outside your window or the fly buzzing around your room is all just manifestations of that thing experiencing what it is to be a tree or a fly or a person and it's not about you know one of, one of the things that bothers me a lot of times whenever people start thinking about like the the karmic view of the universe um is that they turn it into some kind of like school and i think i've talked about this before but like they turn it into like a like you go in either ignorant or fucked up somehow and then you come out right Whereas this yeah. dramatic view is you go in perfect and you come out perfect. And in between... Yeah, and you just put on different yeah. masks in between. Yeah, in between you play all sorts of fun roles.
1: Yeah, or you not know, so he, fun roles. He talk- yeah, and one of the things that I found really interesting about that model is he talked about... Um, he brought it back to, like, Greco-Roman drama. Yeah and the idea of this was super interesting because persona <laughs> like that uh if you break it down i think like the root word the, person the you know, prefix the, person,
0: the word person right comes from persona but bef-
1: yes and before that though like what persona meant was i believe the prefix meant to project and then sona sound so it was these masks yeah. that they put on that had these, like, kind of megaphone yeah, you know, the mouths happy, to mouths. project. The, the, exactly. the classic
0: drama, the theater image of the happy yes. face and the sad face. Those masks were made with, like, built-in yeah. projector um, shapes. Exactly. Like, acoustic shapes into the mouths.
1: Yeah, and, and what they would do before each play is they would go through and describe each persona each mask which persone. were the different character. exactly which were the different characters in the play right and what's so interesting he talked about how like the mask the persona the thing that projects the sound that the mask itself has become what now we have words like personality which is like oh yeah that person so now we're we're conflating who we are with the mask that we wear. Yeah. And that was like, man, that it's such an astute observation and I think it's completely true as well. Uh and that's like that ego uh egoic kind of way of thinking about things like thinking that we are the like amalgamation of subpersonalities and like ideas that we have about ourselves and how we project ourselves out into the world like that's who we are rather than in the dramatic model who or what we are we are the whole thing like we are the play in some sense but then we're we're like we're kind of manifesting through one of the one of the puppets and like playing with ourself. Uh, it's like a he talked about hide and seek, yeah. right? Yeah, and and like that's that's the idea is we we're playing hide and seek because that's that's like the fundamental game. Yeah, in the universe. And the
0: fun thing about this, or the to me, one of the best things is that it just it answers all hard questions. It's like yeah. why do bad things exist? Why does conflict exist exist in stories? Would you read a book or watch a movie with no conflict? Of course not. It would be the most boring. Thi- There'd be no point in watching it. What's the point? In, I mean, even documentaries and things have points they're trying to make, you know? Yeah. Um, nature documentaries even will often build this up. You know, you hear the, the ambience music in the background. And suddenly some drums and horns start playing and you realize, oh, this animal is about to get eaten by a hawk or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, conflict is integral into any interesting story or performance. And to have conflict mm-hmm. you have to have these light and dark dualities. And, you know, the uh the answer to, oh, well, you know, what why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Well, those are the stories they're playing. And, you know, the next round around it's gonna flip. It's not it, yeah. it's not limited to this is your one role or this is your one path. It's like you're everything, playing lots of different roles, doing all the different stories. So, you know, if you find yourself in some really shitty position in life, you could take a step back and just say, this is just the role that the universe is playing right now. And it's yeah, totally and then... unique,
1: all new, just you. Yeah, and the th- and the thing that, like, you know, some people would say, like, oh, well, then what's the point of, like, doing anything? Like, I'll just let the universe play itself out. But, like, there is something in there that's also super powerful is, like, with our, with, like, our unique intention, like, we can decide what role we want to play. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that we can change it instantaneously. Like, it takes time to go stage right and put on a different costume and like you know there's a there's a time that it takes to to like get into a different role but we do have the we have some leeway in terms of the roles that we want to play and generally those roles are rooted in our in our subconscious like these are the it's these patterns that have been reinforced time and time again and, and the ones that have been put in place generally in our childhood, like, cause when we're babies and toddlers, like our subconscious is just completely open to just every single thing that happens just goes directly in. And then, I mean, this is kind of an oversimplification, but at a certain point, it kind of closes and then you have like the conscious layer on top of that, which when we're adults, everything has to filter yeah. through that. So it's really, it's a lot harder to kind of reach that, um that subconscious layer but we d- we know and that's what a lot of these different mystical practices are kind of aiming for is is kind of mixing it up so we can we can peel up peel off the layers and get to the subconscious and reprogram some of our limiting beliefs for example yeah, you got to permeate that ego shell a little bit yeah um
0: Alan Watts also one thing that I really love about his approach is that he he takes spirituality a lot less seriously than a lot of other traditions, and I think this goes along with his exit from both Buddhism and Christianity. Um he I remember um there was one particular Zen master that was like criticizing him saying like he threw out Zazen off of half a koan. Like he he, he like he was getting upset that Alan Watts had a relaxed view on meditation. The the, the half a koan that he's talking about is like like, when a cat wants to sit, it sits. When it stops wanting to sit, it gets up. And mm. he was kind of using that to like, don't just sit in meditation for hours and hours and hours. It's not going to do you any good. Um, Mm. so I don't think he was dismissing all of Zazen, which is sitting meditation, uh, especially since he literally taught it in his monastery later on in life, but he definitely had a a more relaxed approach. One thing that he said, he's like, in my monastery, if you are sitting in meditation and you have to get up and go use the bathroom, I encourage you to do so. Yeah. (laughs) It's like as simple as that. It's like, don't just have no discipline and no practice or no structure, but also don't hold yourself too tight, so tightly that, you know, you're not, you're, you're going to piss in your pants because you feel like you can't go to the bathroom, which is exactly what yeah, the it's more of a, taught in my view.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, that's exactly what he taught It's It's the middle way, yeah. right? Like that's, there's, there is this kind of, and you know, it's all, di- it's different for all of us, but like, there's this point where we, there is our each. We each have our own kind of equilibrium, and if you go too far in either direction, you're gonna run into problems. I mean, yeah. And you know, th- I think this this is a really nice kind of summation from Alan Watts. A really nice quote by him, uh, which is kind of related to that. Um, Been waiting all morning for this or, quote. Yeah, or this is more related to what you said rather than what I said, but this is the real secret to life to be completely engaged in what you are doing in the here and now. Instead of calling it work, realize it is play. Mm. A fine statement if I ever heard one. Yeah, and... I mean, I keep coming back to the the Pascal's wager here. You know, like, why would I want to live in a reality where everything is work and hard and I have to fucking suffer and do shit that I don't feel like doing and blah, blah, blah. Because like, if you
0: don't buckle why? down and take life seriously, you're never going to make a million dollars.
1: Yeah, and of course, that's not to say that, like, being disciplined is not helpful. Of course, like, it's good to, I mean, you can't always want, like, even things that you love doing, you don't always feel like doing it, but maybe in the interest of developing your craft, you might do it anyways, but still realizing that it's play. Yeah, you're going to enjoy and, like, your th-
0: play more if you have a disciplined practice to improve your skills at it,
1: yeah, and and I think I mean that's really the the rub there. Instead of calling it work, realize it is play. That's right. I mean, that's just such Good a one. potent worldview, in my in my opinion. I love that. It's actually
0: a topic in on our list that I think we ought to gotta get into uh, game gamification yeah. of life, um, but one thing that I wanted to mention in case you all want to go and check out some Alan Watts is that it's not where you go to like learn about Zen Buddhism it's not where you go to learn about Hindu cosmology it's not where you go to learn how to meditate um one thing that uh one quote that I wanted to bring up was this um, Shunryu, I don't, I don't know how to say the name, but Suzuki. I know how to say Suzuki for some weird way mm-hmm. reason. Um, he was a, a meditation teacher and one of his students or a group of his students came up to him one day um, or were talking to him one day. And they said something along the lines of, oh, we used to think Alan Watts was profound until we found the real thing, referring to Suzuki. And Suzuki responds, you've completely missed the whole point about Alan Watts. You should recognize the good that he's done. He's a very great bodhisattva. And mm. the I think the misunderstanding can come when people don't take him seriously when he says, I'm a spiritual entertainer. Like, he's he's introducing these concepts in a palatable way for anyone. I mean, yeah. you don't have to be super intelligent to listen to Alan Watts and understand what he says, just because he's so good at ex- explaining it in simple ways and with stories and such. So, you know, Alan Watts is somebody who brings these very Difficult, esoteric, complicated, sometimes very alien concepts, and turns them into enjoyable, fun, oftentimes very funny uh, performances.
1: Yeah, and and I mean he tra- he tr- like he translated Eastern religion, religious concepts into a way that Westerners could understand and enjoy, yeah. which basically nobody had done yeah before before him like he he because before that like it was it was you it was almost impossible to even understand like it was there was just such vast cultural differences so he was just amazing how he could bridge the gap there and put it in a way that people could understand
0: yeah yeah and you know, he he made no he had no illusions about who and what he was. And, you know, one one of the things that I love about him is that he uh he often calls himself a rascal. Um and yeah. talks about one of Hank and I's favorite um Alan Wattsisms, the irreducible element of rapscality
1: <laughs>
0: which has gotta be one of the greatest phrases ever uttered. Um Sort of the the Jungian concept of everybody has a shadow, but um, he's he's just he took the way he saw life and the way he approached life was just so beautiful to me. And you know he certainly yeah. wasn't a wasn't a perfect person in his personal life. He was married three times, had a severe drinking problem, a heavy smoker, um, you know, gotten gotten a lot of altercations with various people, um, but he he really lived life and he really tried to be a positive influence on the world. I think that succeeded greatly in doing that. Um, yeah,
1: I agree. One,
0: one line I wanted to bring up from his autobiography, which I think was the one of, if not the last book that he wrote. Um, he was like, he was talking about masculinity and, uh, and the expression of masculinity at the time he wrote it. And he's like, Most of the men of this era seem to think that the masculine side can only be expressed through domination or physical fighting or, you know, some such nonsense. I'd rather prove my masculinity in bed with the ladies. (laughs) (laughs) He was just a, he's just kind of a, like, I don't give a shit. Like I'm going to live my life the way that I think it should be lived. Yeah. And you know, that happened to be as a, um, a teacher, an entertainer, performer, um, a writer and a, a big influence on American culture. And, you know, we don't hear about him that much these days, but, if you were born in the or, or were growing up in the 60s you definitely would have heard of alan watts yeah in the states at least yeah, i don't know i mean uh, he was he's from england and he was yeah. Really prolific but, I, over but he, there.
1: I think he spent a lot of time you know he lived in california mostly like in most the, of the berkeley time. Yeah. berkeley area and hanging out there but i mean and i it what, one thing that you said kind of goes back to what we've discussed multiple times before which is that like even living in the way like if you're living in the truly most selfish way that will benefit you the most that's also the thing that's going to benefit everyone else not in the way that we generally view selfishness but like if you take it uh if you reduce it to the extreme selfish altruism and that's exactly and that's exactly what he did I think because he you can tell when you listen to him that he loved he loved it. Yeah, he loved doing it. He was just And that's I mean honestly he loved, he I know this beer, is the case he loved
0: women, he loved being the center of attention. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean I, I know this is um, I mean I'm sure I can speak for you when I say I mean I didn't really think about it from that perspective but you know he he has been a huge influence on both you and I. I mean, he's probably for he's for sure part of the reason why we're doing this podcast. absolutely. uh so I have nothing but gratitude and love for that man. Thank you, Alan Watts. Yes, you've been a profound influence on my life and the lives of many others mine as well and yes i i
0: i consider myself to be extremely blessed to um to know who alan watts is and to have experienced so much of him because i know that you know his, since uh, his he hasn't been around for quite a while and um you know his popularity isn't what it used to be there's a ton of people out there who just have no idea who he is who would listen to him and like be mesmerized and they might yeah. never know who he is so I, I just find myself to be very blessed and you're, you're the one who actually showed him to me so thank you for that Hank I greatly appreciate that um, but it, it it was truly life changing for me when I first started listening to Alan Watts I'd say I was about 23 mm. so about 5 or 6 years ago and yeah, it was it was life changing. It introduced me to a ton of things that I wanted to learn more about. That was that's one thing that I um, took take inspiration from Alan Watts in our own expression is that he I think that he one of his big goals was to spark interest in people, and, and yeah, not necessarily to teach them what things were, but spark a desire to learn what things were. And, and you know set yeah. them off on a journey that, of seeking, and I think mm-hmm. that that's um, what you and I try to do with this podcast as well. Yeah. So there you have it.
1: Biography number one, folks. Check Alan Watts out if you haven't. I mean, even if you have listened to him <laughs> before, just listen to him again and remember. How, just easiest homework ever. Enjoy seriously the easiest homework ever uh let us know what you think
0: there's lots of videos Um, on youtube by the way if you don't want to buy something i wanted to recommend the sounds true one first because i think it's good to support people like that um and alan watts's family tries really hard to like coalesce his stuff and put it out there um yeah his, his daughters and stuff um but his stuff is out there on youtube i will say the editing is a little over the top on, on a lot of them a yeah lot of them some have, of it is a
1: little clickbaity yeah. and like we're talking about this cliche the music in the background
0: yeah a lot of times it's like like you know learned how to get in all caps enlightened by alan watts <laughs> <laughs> and it's like learn learn how to be creative all the time and you know you get in there and it's got some like picture of the Milky Way galaxy and some fucking violin music behind Alan Watts or something it it gets a little goofy part of the reason people do yeah. that kind of shit is because it helps to like go around like copyright censors and stuff but um I, the you can get get it on YouTube there is um Lots of books, audio books. Um, of his actual, I would writings. highly recommend the audio books. Highly... Then it's him. Hand... Not a, well, the, the, He doesn't narrate the audio books. I'm talking about his actual. Okay, I guess books. if you buy the
1: lecture, yeah. the lecture series, yeah, the then...
0: the Sounds True lecture series is called Out of Your Mind, and um, that's where he's like actually on stage talking, which I think is is like prime time Alan Watts. Uh, but I, I've I've listened to some of his audiobooks that are narrated by other people, and they're still really really good. His writings are great, um, but it, I I would recommend listening to his talks because as we've been ranting and raving on, his oration is just so incredible, and they're yeah. they're very freely available in lots of different places. So check them out. Check it out, people. We love you. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week.
1: Congratulations. You've made it all the way to the end of the episode. You are amazing, and we love you. Thank you so much for listening. And please, if you haven't done so already, give us that five-star rating, that follow, that subscription. I know it sounds stupid and I hate myself for asking you every time, but it means so much to us and it really helps us in our pursuit of global domination. So welcome to the team. (laughs) Thank you and goodbye.